Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sampasel Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be talking about Star Wars and its box office tracking over the last few days, plus some streaming service news that I want to get into, along with some award season topics that have come out over the last few days. But first off, as always, since it is Monday, I want to talk about this weekend's box office and recap it. But I want to preference before I go on to anything else to say, I'm sorry that I haven't been on these last few days. My charger for my laptop went down and I haven't been able to use my laptop, which I use to record a lot of these podcasts from. So I I wanted to, to make sure that I had a brand new charger. I went over the weekend and got it. So I made sure to have it on Monday so I can get back, start fresh and start new on the week so I can get you guys everything that's going on in the world of Hollywood on the San Vicente podcast. So I'm sorry that it was a, a very long weekend four-day weekend in terms of getting everything ready so i can get back on monday and i will be here throughout the week and it's the weekend depending on what i see over the next on saturday and sunday with terminator dark fate and a bunch of other movies but there's a lot coming out a lot happening this week alone and again a lot happening today like i just preferenced so again we're getting right into it the box office happened this weekend and it, it was a bunch of 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 holdovers that won the weekend once again and of course the weekend winner triumphantly coming close again at number one and probably one of the biggest stories of the year and the biggest story in October Joker won the weekend again it's third weekend number one at the box office but what's interesting is that it reclaimed the number one spot after being number two last weekend with Maleficent Mistress of Evil coming in at number one last weekend and then coming in at number two this weekend. But I'll get to that in a minute. But going to Joker, it grows $18.9 million. It is now at $277.5 million domestically. And that alone, it broke up a plethora of box office records this weekend. And the first one is it is now the highest grossing October release ever beating Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity which starred Sandra Bullock and George Clooney in 2013 that film was the highest grossing October release but now Joaquin and Todd Phillips's Joker eclipsed that number with 277 million dollars in the box office and the last one to do what Joker's done in, in terms of being number one for a few weekends going down to another spot in the box office and then climbing back to number one was A Quiet Place last year, which was directed and starred John Krasinski and his wife Emily Blunt, which is raved as one of the best movies of last year, along with being one of my favorites of last year as well. It also is the highest grossing R-rated film of all time now at $849 million worldwide, surpassing Deadpool 2 and Deadpool 2 other R-rated films that really are the trailblazers for especially the first Deadpool which came out in 2016 as being really one of the first this first wave of superhero R-rated films that have come out so far in this latter half of the decade that really have kind of changed the perception of superhero movies and what they can do with Logan coming out and now Joker coming out and doing the business that it's been doing and it is the third highest grossing DC film overseas along with being the highest grossing Warner Brothers film in 14 markets it's one of Todd Phillips's highest grossing films of all time same can be said about Joaquin Phoenix where Joaquin Phoenix has never had a movie like this break out in terms of the box office in this kind of fashion so for both of them this is a huge career win for them and I just think in general, when we put this into perspective and what the Joker has done 
from all the controversy that it came out in August to, to the re-reviews that happened with Venice to then premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival to all the award season buzz that I was getting to the controversy that came in the weeks leading up to the release on October 3rd, there was just, there was just a lot of there was a lot of talk surrounding it and. This just proves, as it's been proving from its record-breaking $96 million opening weekend to what it's done over these last few weeks, that all buzz is, all buzz, positive or negative, is buzz. doesn't matter if it's good or bad, it's it gets people talking, and it gets people to see this movie, and that is exactly what people have done. The fact that Maleficent Mistress of Evil was the number one film, couldn't hold on to it, Zombieland Double Tap can do it. None of these new films that came out this weekend, which we'll get into, couldn't do anything. They could not dethrone Joker. It was, Joker came back and and had a better sustainability than Maleficent and all these other films. So it just goes to tell you that audience members and people want to go see this movie multiple times. Or maybe people who wanted the buzz to die down a little bit and then go and see this movie for themselves. So there's still hype around this film. And it goes to show that th this very well could be an award season juggernaut that the Academy just can't ignore. Be because... On top of it being a juggernaut financially, in my eyes, and I think in many, many people's eyes, this is one film that Rotten Tomatoes, in terms of the critic score, it should be way higher than it really is. I don't know why it really is. I don't question a lot of Rotten Tomatoes scores, but I don't get why this one is a 69%. It started at 90, 80, went down to 70, stayed there. Now it's 60, and I think a lot of people seem to have really enjoyed this movie because the box office is certainly showing it that this really is one of the best films to have come out in 2019, one of the best superhero films of all time, one of the best superhero films of this year. I, for me personally, I wouldn't put it over Avengers Endgame, but to me, Todd Phillips created a, a, a experience that was something I never experienced before in a theater in terms of a superhero movie, whereas with Avengers Endgame, I got something that I never thought I would ever get, and I think what I got with Joker is something that I just didn't, I wasn't expecting it to be what I got, and I think in terms of Joaquin Phoenix's performance, I think Todd Phillips should definitely be, have some buzz for Best Director, the screenplay's been getting some buzz as well, so I think this is going to be the one where we, we th there's always one film that is a huge box office juggernaut in the award season race that just obliterates everything that comes in between it, and it seems like right now, that Joker is that film that nobody can ignore it. If you want to ignore it, you can try to, but the buzz isn't going away anytime soon. I think the Academy is going to have to look at that. But Warner Brothers and, Walk and not Walking Phoenix, but Todd Phillips came out on social media thanking people for going to see the movie and that they saw it for whatever it was worth and that they came away with their opinion, whether it was a good opinion, bad opinion. And that's the thing too. This film is a conversation starter at dinner tables, at gatherings and meetings and in workplaces that people are saying, hey, you go see the Joker this weekend and you want to be a part of that conversation. And superhero films are giving that and films in general can give that kind of vibe. And so Joker has been a mix of that being an art house film mixed in with being a comic book film. And I think people want to be a part of a conversation. And it's showing at the box office where now a question comes into play is, can can Joker win the box office again? It's going to be tough with Terminator Dark Fate coming out this weekend. 
but can it still sustain itself in the box office for the next few weeks and months that it can gross a billion dollars at the at the box office? It's this was never possible. If you were to tell me this this time last in September, which we're almost at almost a month mark from the film coming out around this time in September, the film was being revved up and getting ready for promotion. If you were to tell me that this film was had a shot, a shot, a chance to be a billion dollar hit, I would have said it's maybe grows half a billion. That could be the end of its run, but it, it'll still be profitable. It'll still get buzz. But I don't think anybody expected to to see what Joker has done. And I think it is, without a doubt, the clear-cut winner of the fall movie season. As we transition over into the holiday movie season, starting off with Terminator, Dark Fate. But once again, congratulations to everybody over at Warner Brothers and the cast and crew of Joker. Going in at number two is Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which was the number one champ last weekend. It took a little bit of a dip. And it came in with $18.5 million, $65 million domestically. And $240 million came in with the first one. This is this is a film that is kind of on the edge right now, where it's it's not it's not turning a profit right now, but it it, it still has a shot of not being a bust in the box office. But it's coming very close to being that. And I think again with with November coming around, which I'm gonna get into in the next day or two, my preview of, of November, which is turning out to be a stacked time at the movie theaters in general for so many different people and so many different movies coming out not just one from one studio or one specific genre it's all the way around i think it's going to be hard for a lot of these october movies to sustain themselves especially once halloween season is over with on thursday you're going to get the holiday season coming in thanksgiving then christmas and hanukkah and, and, and all the other holidays that people celebrate it's going to take a heavy effect so i think maleficent it's now or never in the next few weeks but i think disney is going to be able to write this one off like they kind of did with Dumbo in which they're going to have two other huge hits come out for them this year alone with Frozen 2 in November and then Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker in December. So they can write off two major losses, but still it's it's something you want to go back to the drawing board and figure out what you can do better when you're coming out with more, more, more films like this down the line that aren't huge IPs and they're based more off of characters than they are of actual big films that have come out like an Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast or even a Lion King it's it's tough when you, you try to, to put a different spin on something you try and, and it's it takes a little bit more of convincing to get people to actually be part of it but again I didn't I didn't I wasn't a big fan of Maleficent Mistress of Evil I thought it was okay at best but again I think we'll see what happens in the next few weeks with Maleficent Mistress of Evil coming in number three is the Adams Family grossing 11.7 million dollars at the box office 84 million dollars worldwide and while I was not a big fan of the Adams family I'm not surprised by this box office run it has a good shot of making 100 million dollars worldwide it's it's again Halloween season Halloween's a few days away now families are going to want to get in a few more scares for their kids that are lighthearted scares and that they can go out and spend spooky season together as a family Adams family is that option right now and so I think I would not be surprised if a sequel is in the future for the Adams Family. Coming in at number four is Zombieland Double Tap, $11.6 million this weekend, $47 million domestically. It dropped 57% from the first Zombieland in its second weekend. The first one grossed $47.6 million after 10 days. And after a good, a good, better than maybe, a slightly better than expected number in its opening weekend for Zombieland Double Tap, which is a sequel to the cult classic 2009 film, 
it's got a little bit of making up to do to get back to its budget and then try to maybe get around $80 million, $90 million overall. But still, it's it, it's a good run for this movie. It cost a little bit more than its original budget with $46, $47 million. However, I think because it didn't cost as much, it you, you still have a good shot of getting to a good enough level to get out of the red into the black and really and, and deliver and potentially hopefully get another one of these down the line, whether it be five years, another 10 years, 20 years from now, we'll see. But it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, not an uphill battle, but it's going to be a slight, a slight hill for Zombieland Double Tap to climb. Coming in at number five is Countdown, one of the newcomers to this weekend, adding into Halloween season. It grows $9 million dollars. And it only it only had a budget of six and a half, so this is another case of a film that is a horror film coming from a low budget studio that put low budget into it. And because of again Halloween season and spooky season and, and terror season, terror terrorizing season, yeah, horror season, scary season is a better word I should have used. I'm sorry. As we get as as we get into this, so I think Countdown was able to get a big boost from this. I think overall when we look at Countdown, which is about an app that tells you when you people actually die. I think because Halloween's coming around this week, it could get it looks like it could get within the twenty to twenty five million dollar range in its box office run domestically. And coming in at number six, the other newcomer this weekend was Black and Blue with eight point three million dollars. The film starring Naomi Harris and Tyrese Gibson. Got an A minus on Cinema Score and a twelve million dollar budget. I was really busy this weekend, weekend, and I wasn't able to see a lot of these movies that I really wanted to see, except, especially, excuse me, especially films like Parasite and Jojo Rabbit were playing in theaters nearby me, and I wasn't able to see them. But I've been trying to see all these movies, and I'll hope to have reviews for you soon in the next week or so. And again, I think with Black and Blue, I was interested in it. I liked the cast. I liked the concept. Uh, I was I was into this one. So to, to hear it's been getting. The reviews. Uh, I still want to go see it. I think audiences are responding to it in a very good way. Then coming in at number seven was Gemini Man. Again, it's going to lose a lot of money. An angling film with Will Smith, which is sad to see. But sometimes if it just people don't respond to a film, this is what happens. So Gemini Man with another $4 million. Lighthouse garned $3 million opening up, expanding after debut last weekend to over 500 theaters in its second weekend garnering in $3 million, so that's a huge success for them. Coming in at number 9 is the last wide release of this past weekend, which is The Current War, coming in at $2.73 million, a film that was supposed to come out in 2017, but after the Weinstein scandal and the Weinstein Company went under, this film was kind of put through the trials and tribulations, but finally made it through to see at least the light of day, and it was able to get a good $2 million out of it. Then coming in at number 10 is Abominable, $2 million, $56 million overall domestically. Not a great look for DreamWorks, especially with this film. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good. The animation was beautiful and breathtaking. I really dig, dug the story of this one. So I think to see Abominable not do as well, it's a little sad, but we'll see if it can it can maybe cause a little bit of traction. I don't think we're going to get any sequel out of this, but I think the box office just proves that we won't be getting a sequel to this one. Then coming in at the special, excuse me, the specialty box office is Parasite, one point eight million dollars, one hundred twenty nine theaters. It expands to have to go into thirty three million, excuse me, thirty three theaters. It is now grossed around again one point, almost one point nine two million dollars. And what's extraordinary about this is that it follows in a long list of films that that went from single digit to triple digit film to theaters. 
in its its next weekend and films such as there will be blood boyhood the farewell theory of everything revolutionary road all made this big jump whereas parasite i think it has a little bit more of a of a academy award season push than some of these other films do i still believe that this is a great look for parasite there's been a lot of buzz since Khan, and i think that bong joo ho is somebody who is an exceptional filmmaker i cannot wait to see parasite so i think this is one of the most buzzed about films that people are trying to go see i think will people will be seeing this movie once it expands around the world and the country in the next few weeks and months as award season goes on and then of course Jojo Rabbit came in with $1.01 million really in 50 theaters, which is exceptional for that film, directed by Taika Waititi, and I think that's one to also look out for. Also, Terminator Dark Fate grossed $12.8 million internationally, and it comes out in theaters here in the United States on Friday, starring Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's going to be it for this edition of the Box Office Recap, guys. What do you think of this weekend's top 10? Are you excited about Joker breaking all these records? Are you happy about it? What do you think about all this, all the controversy that happened is all publicity, pu good publicity, no matter if it's positive or negative. Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to go on to some streaming news that is coming out today. The first thing I want to get into is the Mandalorian, Disney, and Lucasfilm released character posters for Disney Plus's brand new show, Lucasfilm's first live action Star Wars show, I almost said film show, that is being showrun by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, and the character posters look awesome, I love Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian, even though you don't see Pedro Pascal, you do see the character, and I love that, so I'm really excited, and they're, they're coming out the trailer tonight for The Mandalorian, it was announced over the last few hours that we'll be getting something new, so week after The Rise of Skywalker, we get a brand new Mandalorian trailer with Gina Carallo, Carl Weathers, uh, we get Warner Herzog as well, so I think that we get Ma Max von Sydow as well. Oh no, excuse me, we don't get Max von Sydow, we do get Warner Herzog though. And so I think that getting these actors in this is incredible, and I think this is Disney's push into really going all out for it, and now transitioning out of the of the Mandalorian going into going into. The streaming wars in general. The, the streaming wars are now upon us. After we're getting a lot of the marketing now. Yeah, especially for Disney Plus is not coming out for at least another few weeks. But this weekend, the streaming wars officially kick off into who can compete with Netflix. With Apple TV Plus finally launching this Friday, November 1st. With four brand new shows that are on their docket. Including, you have The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Which, it's reported that that... The budget per episode for that show was around $15 million, especially with the actresses gaining about $1 million per episode for Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, who makes her debut into t television after being off for many, many years. Last time she was really in a starring role in a TV show was during the hit sitcom Friends. But I think this is, th this is what I think a lot of people who have followed this, it, this is really what it's come down to it if you've been a big follower of the streaming awards and you've heard all this hype we, we heard about what apple tv plus was going to be we finally seen product of it disney plus another one in which they're getting ready they're really it's all about the marketing now the marketing is in full force for both of these streaming platforms as over the next really 
half a year, we're going to get all these new platforms from Disney Plus to Apple TV Plus to Peacock, the new NBC Universal streaming service. We're also going to get HBO Max from Warner Media. All of these streaming services are now coming into effect. This is, I think, one of the greatest arm races we have ever seen, especially in entertainment. This is this is the fight for entertainment's future that that we're witnessing here. I think this is something that we haven't that we haven't seen before, in which studios and companies are fighting for different IPs and shows and showrunners, and it's it's really a scramble of who do you want on your army, who do you want to take into battle, and with Disney Plus, it's all of these different shows between again the Mandalorian coming out, the new trailer, along with these Nat Geo shows such as The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which the marketing is ramped up for that that show. They got a teaser came out today for that. They announced Disney Plus announced The Simpsons today will be making their official debut on Disney Plus in in November twelfth. You also have they're having stuff such as Encore as well. They they had a, a new trailer for that as well. And then also you have Ewan McGregor who's talking about Doctor Sleep. He is talking about how for especially for Lucasfilm, who's trying all these different new shows and dive into live action shows that it was originally going to be a movie, but now they get the excitement of telling this long form story over a span of seven to eight episodes that form one long big movie that is seven or eight hours long instead of two, two and a half hours. So I think this is something that Again, it's something to keep an eye out for. I literally was talking to a friend of mine who was asking when Apple TV Plus comes out, and he was interested about getting it. And with Apple TV Plus getting into that, because it's coming out this week, a lot of the shows are now being reviewed for Apple TV Plus. And the, the, the three big ones that are coming out are The Morning Show with, again, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell. C with Jason Momoa, which is this post-apocalyptic world about these people that Something happened to them and they can't see anything. They're blind, so they have to live with really no sight until a baby with sight comes around. And it's some—it's a sci-fi—it's a sci-fi series that's coming out with a big name like Momoa. You also have Dickinson with Haley Steinfeld, which seems like a coming-of-age dramedy taking place in the old Victorian age. And then you have For All of Mankind, which seems like this sci-fi Stephen King type of TV show that is really about the the. The, the space race that went on, the, the space race between the Soviets and the United States, in which it really gives, it goes into an alternate timeline between what if the Soviets landed on the moon first and not the United States, and it kind of gets into some new interesting directions, and going into it real quick, the morning show came in with 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic consensus for this one is that while flashy but somewhat frivolous, the morning show often feels more like a vanity project than the hard-hitting dram that it aspires to be. But there is pleasure to be had in watching Jennifer Aniston and Witherspoon give it their all. With C, according to Robert RogerEgbert.com, according to Brian Talaricio, C has a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. And he says that C sometimes feels like a concept and some characters were thrown on a whiteboard but no one figured out how to use them to tell an engaging story. And then another one says, Francis Lawrence helps create a compelling, lengthy, and somewhat different melee. And then we have Dickinson and For All Mankind, which come in with 83 and 85% Rotten Tomatoes. There's no critic consensus just yet. But this goes to show that, again, it's going to be interesting, especially for Apple, who doesn't really have a lot of IP going for them right now, unlike something like a Disney Plus or even a Peacock or a Netflix. They have, while they have originals, they have sustainable TV shows that people can binge that they know that they'll love, like an office and a friends and a something along the lines, oh gosh, like a 
what else is there? Like uh, like how how I Met Your Mother or what HBO is doing, which they bought got the rights for the Big Bang Theory over a billion dollars for the Chuck Lore comedy that ended this past May. So I think it, it's all ramping up now. It's all ramping up. A lot of people are getting screenings and marketing information for these streaming services. A lot of people are going to see these shows now for the first time. So I think we're going to be hearing a lot about it in the next few weeks, and I'm excited about it. This is what I've been waiting for for a while. I've been following this these races for such a while now that I can't wait to see how it all boils over as they really try to strive for dominance against Netflix, take over as the best streaming service out there, along with dominating this arm race in entertainment, becoming the kings of entertainment in Hollywood. Because I think even though we have studios and we have great studios, studios are starting to realize and companies, entertainment companies are starting to realize that, that the way of the future is in streaming. And I cannot wait to see what happens down the line. Guys, what do you think of all this information coming out about Mandalorian and Disney Plus and the streaming awards? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to some news about Dr. Sleep. Some first reactions came out about that. One I'll get to really quick is from Haley Fouch from Collider. She said she saw it last week. She said Dr. Sleep is another trauma-fueled emotional horror film from Flanagan that made me ugly cry in public. Understandably shakes up the book quite a bit but king's heart right where it needs to be where does one sign up for rebecca ferguson's cult asking for a friend so it seems like i think from a lot of unanimous people that dr sleep is another word of the addition to the adaptations of stephen king's novels kind of like what it did and along with what some of the other tv shows that have been doing as well so i think that we're, 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 we're on this nice little trend of Stephen King right now, and if you're a fan of The Shining, it seems like it has some Shining elements from the Kubrick film, while also honoring the book The Shining and the book of Dr. Sleep, along with creating something new and interesting with Dr. Sleep. So I'm really excited about Dr. Sleep. Guys, what do you think of Dr. Sleep? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to The Seven Seas. Pirates of the, Par the Caribbean is being rebooted by Chernobyl writer Craig Manson, Disney reported, along with Ted Elliott, who is a veteran on the franchise. And this is a franchise that has been a billion-dollar hit, made Johnny Depp a household name, earned him some awards acc acclamation for his role in The Curse of the Black Pearl in the early 2000s. And so what's interesting now is that they're rebooting this this franchise without their main man, potentially without Johnny Depp. And I know Johnny Depp has been in hot waters over the last few years with everything that's been going on with him and Amber Heard. But I think they're going to have to ask their questions. Is it worth going forward without Johnny Depp in this role? Or do they go with him? Because I think he's still a big international star, especially when, even though it came out a few years ago with Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales, while domestically it didn't do that well, worldwide it grossed over $800 million. So along the international line, there's still some praise for this Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. And I don't think it's time just to reboot it, reboot it just yet. Except just add a new story to it, add some new refreshing elements, and maybe tell a different story, but keep some of the core characters in there, and I think they'll be fine. But, guys, what do you think of all this news about Pirates of the Caribbean being rebooted? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section, and leave your thoughts. Now to move on to a, another story coming from the world of 007, and this weekend it was reported that No Time to Die has officially wrapped shooting, at least principal photography, and on the official James Bond Twitter page, 
it was responded with a picture of Daniel Craig, who plays 007 James Bond, along with Carrie Fukunaga, who is the director of this film, saying that it, that's a wrap on hashtag no time to die. See you in cinemas April 2020, hashtag Bond 25. The film also stars Ray Fiennes, Naomi Harris, Rami Malek, Leo Sadu is coming back after playing the role in Spectre 2015. Ben Wishaw is also coming back, along with Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter. Again, I, I'm, I hope we get a some kind of teaser towards the end of the year, maybe for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, as that'll be the, the big budget film to f- close off 2019. And what a way to, to tease what 2020 has to offer than by showing us 007 himself. But guys, what do you think about No Time to Die rapping? Are you interested in it? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to move on to some award season news that came out today. And it was announced over the weekend, actually, that the Golden Globes, according to the Hollywood Reporter, has submitted all of their, all the films, all the studios have submitted their their films to be considered for both drama and musical comedy. And so I'm going to read off a bunch of these names, these titles, and then I'll talk about them a little bit. So in drama, 1917, Ad Astra, Aeronauts, Banker, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Bombshell, Dark Waters, Down Abbey, Ford v. Ferrari, The Good Liar, Hidden Life, Harriet, Honey Boy, The Irishman, Joker, Judy, Just Mercy, The King... The Lighthouse, Little Women, Queen and Slim, Marriage Story, Richard Jewell, The Two Popes, and Us are just some of the ones that were submitted in for drama. Coming in along the musical comedy line, Blinded by the Light, Book Smart, Cats, Dolomite is My Name, Hustlers, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Late Night, Laundromat, Longshot, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Uncut Gems are just a few of the names, along with Rocketman that I want to add in there. And so what's interesting about this is, while no of the nominees have come out, the a lot of studios have put in these names to be considered for these categories. Now, it'll come down to around five films for best drama and best musical and comedy. And and what's interesting about this is that the Golden Globes, they're really the quote-unquote unofficial kickoff to award season or the quote-unquote kickoff to award season in which January and February you get really the big momentum of award season. But it's really starting now. Award season is starting now. It's being hyped up for right now for people to, to get ready for with a lot of the movies coming out like Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, and we have The Irishman coming out in November, and we have Knives Out. We have all these movies coming out. With the Golden Globes, it's it's always – I've always looked at the Golden Globes as not like a outright clear-cut indicator of what is going to win because of some of these comedies. Or excuse, like, like, for example, the comedy, the musical comedy section – you could get something like a cat in there because it's going to be a musical, but it's probably not going to be a huge award season contender. Booksmart is probably going to be a, a somewhat award season contender, but it might not be that big of an award season contender, but the Golden Goals will make it look like one. And then Hustlers might be another one where Jennifer Lopez might be a big con- contender for Best Supporting Actress, but the film itself might not be. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could win Best Musical Comedy, or Hustlers could win. Something like a Dolomite is my name could win. You, Rocket Man could win. You have all these films, and again, something like a you have Ford v Ferrari could win best drama. You have The Irishman could that could win best drama. Joker that could win best drama. That a lot of these movies they're not going up really against each other, and they don't really give a clear cut indication of what the winner is. If anything, they 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 preview what's to come. They give a good indication, not outright clear-cut answers of what's going to happen. That's our that's for the guild branches, and as award season goes on. But I think for the Golden Globes, it gives us a good a good measuring stick of okay, these are the films that are really going to be sticking out to us as award season really kicks into gear. 
I think that thing happened with Starsborn where it didn't collect as much as we thought it was going to. Green Book won that award for Best Drama. It was sele- Starsborn was selected for Best Drama. Rami Malek started to win a bunch of the awards. Same thing went for Glenn Close won, but Olivia Coleman won Best Comedy Actress for The Favorite. So there's a lot of there's a lot to go on, but at the same time, there's not a lot of of precedence behind it at the same time. So I think with the Golden Globes, I think again this gives an indication of the films to really be looking out for when it comes to award season, and a lot of them are familiar names that we've heard of from the festival circuit, especially when it happened during August and September with Toronto and Telluride and with Venice as well. So I think these are the films to really look out for as we kick off with award season. And then just to go through the Gotham Award nominations. Now, the Gotham Awards are kind of indie, indie films that have come out. And again, doesn't give a clear-cut indication of what's going to be shown of, of like the clear-cut winners or nominees, but it gives us a field, a gauge of what is going to be looked at. And so nominated for Best Feature was The Farewell, Hustlers, Marriage Story, Uncut Gems, and Waves. And I think with a lot of these films, seeing A24 and Netflix get a lot of attention shows, the kind of the the status that a lot of these little, not even little companies, but companies that would, that are really accelerating like a Netflix and like an A24 especially, which is a huge is really becoming the big proponent of a lot of indie films that are gaining a lot of award season attention. And I think it's I'm happy to see Uncut Gems get a lot of attention. It's been it got a lot of a lot of attention coming in for musical and comedy at the Golden Globes as well. So I hope that's a big award season contender for the Safi brothers and for Adam Sandler as well. Waves is one that I've heard of, but you got the big ones right here. Farewell, Hustlers, which Again, it's it's one that I think we're going to be hearing about a lot this award season, especially with Jennifer Lopez. And again, of course, Marriage Story is another one that I think we're going to be hearing a lot about. And then what's also interesting is, I don't remember it seeing it here, but Little Woman is a film that a few days ago had its first reactions to these films. And uh, to the, the, there was a small screening of Little Woman and reactions started coming out. It's directed by Greta Gertwig. It stars Meryl Streep. It stars Sarah Ronan, Florence Pugh, Emma Watson, Laura Dern, Chris Cooper. It's a film that's written directed by Greta Gertwig. It's been adapted. This will be the eighth adaptation of this novel that was that was shown by um, Louisa Alcott. And so I think with Little Women, it's a film that is going to be a huge award season contender. I think it's one that I was surprised I didn't see it yet in in the Golden Globe consideration category, especially for comedy. But it could be something that isn't that that it, that they want to get a little bit of feet with, but it'll be ready in time for the SAGs and the DGA and the WGGA. And when the nomination morning rolls around in January for the Oscars, it'll have a lot to do then. But I think in terms of the reaction, a lot of people were loving it. They gave a lot of praise to Greta Gertwig and the adaptation she was able to do of this source material. Also of the direction also for Florence Pugh, who they say does a phenomenal job as well as a supporting actress, and Cersei Ronan. So I'm really excited about this. And Greta Gertwig talked about what this means for her, what this means for her going forward in terms of she was a fan. She always thought of Jojo, who's being played by Cersei Ronan, who's the lead actor, actress, excuse me, in Little Women, and that she always found a little bit of her in in in, in Greta Gerwig, found a little bit of, of Jojo in herself, and I think this is really one of her big passion projects for her. So I'm really excited to see where 
Little Women goes. Um, it's it's a perfect holiday movie in terms of. I think it'll get people in the mood and in the spirit of the holidays. It just seems like that type of film that'll get families out there or at least girls, women, to go out and watch this movie if they want to spend a girls' night out. People will go to see this movie. So I think we're in we're in the the way of seeing something interesting happen with Little Women. I, I don't again. I don't know if it's gonna win anything, but. I think we're in we're in to see it at least rise up in the Academy Award rankings. Guys, what do you think of all this award season talk happening? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And the last thing I want to get to today, guys, is a little bit of Star Wars news that hasn't had to do anything with Disney Plus, but has to do with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And last Thursday, according to Frandango, Eric Davis, the managing editor over there, apparently when I was talking about that we haven't heard anything from Fandango or AMC or any of those sites other than Adam Ticket that it beat out the other Star Wars films and it beat out the first hour of Avengers Endgame by around 45%. It sold more than two and a half tickets, more than the other Star Wars films for Adam Tickets. And so that was really the only thing that we had going for it. But apparently now, according to Eric Davis, the opening hours that the film sold when it came out this time last week, really, when the tickets came out on sale, we started getting... A little bit more information about the ticket sales, and in its first hours that it was on sale, it beat out any other move, any other ticket sales that was happening online for for any kind of Star Wars film. And for Fandango, that was held previously by The Force Awakens, which was came out in 2015, which was the first brand new Star Wars film coming off of the the prequel trilogy, and then uh, being a sequel to the original trilogy with Han, Luke, Leia. And Eric Davis said that Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is blasting through all current and upcoming new releases with massive pre-sales on Fandango. Film fans are excited to see what's in store for Rey, Finn, Poe, and Kylo Ren, along with the rest of the Star Wars gang in this final chapter of the Skywalker saga, especially with director J.J. Abrams at the helm. And again, this, this goes to the fact that I think people are very excited about this. I think... The fact that you have J.J. coming back, you have this being the conclusion, kind of like what Avengers Endgame did this year, being the the, the the defining chapter of this iteration of the MCU. This is the defining chapter of the Skywalker saga that's been in the making since 1977. And you have a bigger demographic that ranges from a lot of people that saw A New Hope or saw the prequels, that saw Empire, that saw Return of the Jedi in theaters or on home DVD or on home VHS when VHSs were actually a thing years and years ago. And so I think you have people that are interested in this movie and that you have Palpatine coming back. You have Billy D. Williams coming back. You still have that nostalgia factor along with wrapping up this 40-plus year storyline that has been in the making since 1977. So I think it's really interesting. And according to Box Office Pro this weekend, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, long long box office production. It still has weeks to go. It could change depending on word of mouth buzz. I think especially with Mandalorian. I think Mandalorian is going to hold the key to... Getting, getting Star Wars fans back on track and people enjoy The Mandalorian, I think that'll be a huge advantage for Disney to blitzkrieg people with Star Wars once again. So if people are watching The Mandalorian and they know that that Star Wars, they'll be like, oh yeah, that's right, another Star Wars movie is coming out in theaters. People are going to go want to go see that. So I think Mandalorian is going to be a huge boost for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And I also think it's going to happen along the lines that this, that... Right now, it's being projected to gross over 184 to 225 million dollars, which would be under both the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens, but still maybe a little bit over the Last Jedi as well to be to be the highest grossing or one of the highest grossing Star Wars films to come out. Because I don't think it, it 
it's going to get on the level of The Force Awakens, but we'll see. I don't think it's going to be anywhere in the near of Avengers Endgame. That I'm putting that out of the question right now. Nothing is going to be happening the way that Avengers Endgame happened. It would have, it would have already had to happen by now. Last week, it would have had to happen, and it hasn't happened yet, so I'm, it's nowhere going to be anywhere near the ballpark of that. However, it is still going to be a huge movie. I'm thoroughly excited for Star Wars, The, the Rise of Skywalker. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be an, an amazing film. And I'm really excited to see how J.J. wrapped this up because we know he's laid groundwork. But even he said it, like, it's about closing. Can he close this journey that we've been on since the very beginning? Since 1977, for some of us, it's been years later. It's been since 1999, since 2001 or 2002 when the Attack of the Clones came out, or 2005 when Revenge of the Sith came out, or 2015 when Force of Awakens came out. We have generations to close this gap on, so... I think it'll be very interesting to see if J.J. can do that going forward. But guys, what do you think of all this Star Wars Rise of Skywalker news with the tickets? Do you think The Mandalorian, which is coming out with the trailer tonight and is also coming out with a – it's coming out on November 12th. Do you think that that Mandalorian is going to have an impact on Star Wars Rise of Skywalker? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. By the way, last thing I'm going to say is I didn't say in the Mandalorian comment section – Pedro Pascal looks incredible in a Mandalorian armor. That 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 one poster shot of him in the Mandalorian armor is incredible. I cannot wait to see that movie. I cannot wait. Excuse me, not even the movie. I keep calling it a movie. It looks like a movie, but I can't wait to see the TV show. I'm going to be buying Disney+. Plus. The streaming wars are upon us, everybody. The battle for dominance of the future of entertainment is here. But, guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Pascal Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network, and also be sure to check out the other amazing shows, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, and check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them out on their websites, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at RealAmbiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media at Twitter, at Pascal Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook at Sam Bissell, also on the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in, and until next time, keep on screening.